may I, uh, this is not designed to be an apology, but simply a disclaimer. I know that it's traditional for churches many times to have a Mother's Day message. But uh, we are in the midst of a series, and I think we've honored mothers. Mothers, do you feel honored? Hopefully you do. All right. So now we're going to revert back to the series, and I actually struggled this week. I thought the topic today for the message is just not Mother's Day friendly at all. But anyway, I said, okay, I'm just going to apologize, not apologize, but disclaim it, and then we'll just move forward, all right? It's still the truth. That's all that matters, right? All right. So would you pray with me as we ask the Holy Spirit to help us in the message today? Father, we thank you that you called us all to be influencers. And Lord, being aware of influence, the principal influence, and today even the principle of leaven, and what evil influences can do and operate in our life, we ask that you, Holy Spirit, would just cause our, our hearts to be warmed and uh, that you would speak to us and, and warn us and admonish us and help us to grow as people who are uh, lovers of Jesus, we pray today in Jesus' name, amen and amen. We are in the midst of a series on influence, and today is the next to last Sunday. Uh, next week will be the final Sunday that we'll be talking about influence, and I urge you to, uh, we'll, we'll wrap it up and put a bow on it next Sunday. Uh, today we're in the midst of the series on how to gain and use influence, but today we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to talk about influence from a little bit different perspective. The scripture tells us that uh, Jesus actually, in using uh, the idea and the, and the concept of leaven, uses the principle of leaven in Matthew 13 uh, as an illustration when he compared it to the kingdom of heaven. And so Jesus said to us in Matthew 13, 33, the kingdom of heaven is like the yeast, or other versions will say what? Leaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. Isn't it interesting that when Jesus is talking to us about the kingdom of heaven, and the kingdom of God, what is one of the pictures, word pictures he used? It's the concept of leaven or yeast. And he says that the kingdom of God is like leaven. It is like yeast. It is like that for a number of ways. But it is like that because the principle of influence is a primary principle that operates in the kingdom of God and in our own lives. So I want to talk to you today about three influences to avoid, not to use to your benefit, not for you to exert on others. In fact, if we allow these influences to affect us, it will actually cause it to be multiplied and that influence will affect others negatively as well. And the reason I'm spending time on this is because of the emphasis that Jesus gives to this subject, as we will see. First of all, the question is, well, first of all, what is leaven? And a lot of people just, you know, get kind of confused about it. It's really simple. It's simply yeast, what you and I would call today yeast. It was principally leaven referred to in Scripture is that which caused fermentation and made bread to rise before baking. And it was used much in the same way that our yeast is used today. Uh, I grew up with a grandmother, speaking of grandmothers and mothers today, in which my father's mother uh, came from a very uh, traditional, old-fashioned German background, immigrant background. Every week, without fail, she baked bread. 
How many of you get hungry already? Just all the, oh man, I'm feeling it right, feeling it right now. Every week she baked bread. Now today uh, that wouldn't be uh, uh, even thought of but, uh, by many. But every week it simply wasn't failure. It was simply her custom. It was her tradition. And she invited me over to the house many times when she was baking bread. And I would watch the principle of yeast right before my very eyes. And I would watch her let that yeast, let that dough rise, and then let it rise again before she ever baked it. The idea was very much like the, the principle used in Scripture here. It's very much like uh, uh, maybe some of you have attempted to uh, get or use a sourdough bread starter. You know what I'm talking about? Wave at me, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, so a starter is you get a starter from someone who already has the beginnings of sourdough bread, and they keep it. They keep a little bit of that fermentation, and then they use a little bit of it when they're making the new batch of bread. And they keep a little bit up to the side for what? For next time. And it is the idea of fermentation. It's the idea of that expanding, rising dough that Jesus uses as a principle in the New Testament. And, of course, in the New Testament, it was pretty much the same way. Uh, we know that they would make bread and they would keep whole back a small piece of the unbaked dough, which would be used later for the next batch. And you say, well, what's, what does it mean? What does the concept and the principle of leaven or yeast mean in the New Testament? It's interesting because a small piece of leaven, remember, doesn't take much, and the Scripture emphasized it in Matthew 13. It only takes a little bit. To make a difference. Just a little bit of leaven or yeast was able to cause a relatively large amount of flour or dough to rise. And it was used, this is fascinating to me, when the principle of leaven and yeast is used in the New Testament, particularly from the words of Jesus, it's used in what regard? Evil. Now, I think you and I can understand the analogy and we can use it in a positive way but when jesus used the principle of leaven he was using it to refer to evil influences not godly ones isn't that fascinating and so we find for example if you will in first corinthians chapter five uh, we know the apostle paul is is trying to help the church of corinth get their act together and they had a lot of stuff going on right and some of what was going on was very sinful, and there was outward immorality going on, and they were allowing it, and there was all kind of stuff happening. The Scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians 5, verse 5 and 6 and 7, your boasting about this is terrible. Don't you realize that this sin is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast by removing the wicked sinful person from among you whoa i mean we don't preach on that verse too often on sundays do we huh what's the principle what's paul saying he's using what jesus told us in the gospels about yeast and leaven and he's saying you are allowing he's talking to the church he said a little bit of this a little bit of this unconfessed un uh, recognized and undealt with sin that's in the church, a little bit of it is going to what? It's going to spread. It's going to spread, and it's going to affect the whole body. 
the whole body and the church at Corinth. And so his solution was, you need to apply church discipline in that situation and remove that influence, and then the church will be healthy. So back to the three kinds of influence that Jesus taught us in the Gospels. Did you know three separate things Jesus referred to as leavening or the principle of evil influence? He was very, very clear when he mentioned these, and we'll look at two of them from Matthew and one from the book of Mark, and we'll look at all three of them. And what I want you to do as we look at them, I want you to think about them, obviously, from the standpoint of, Lord, do I have any of that leaven in me? right? And we should also think how, if there's a little bit, doesn't take much, (laughs) there's a little bit of that, how could that affect, influence others? Either other believers or unbelievers that I'm trying to be a witness to. How could that affect, how could that influence work through me in the wrong way? And then thirdly, what I'd like for you to do is think about the flip side of it. So, obviously, the influences that Jesus referred to are negative. They're evil. But I also want you to think that there's a reverse side of influence. Instead of the, 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 the principle of legalism, instead of that, we can have a positive side of that, and that should also be then a positive and godly influence, right? Are you with me? All right, so let's look at the three. The first one is legalism. It is referred to by Jesus as the leaven of the Pharisees. The leaven of the Pharisees. In Matthew chapter 16, listen to the words of Jesus. Be careful. What is it? What do we should do? What should we do? Be careful. Beware. Jesus said to them, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And we're going to talk about the Sadducees, leaven, in just a moment. The first one is the principle of leaven that is the Pharisees. How is it that you don't understand what I was talking about to you about bread? Jesus was in a context where he was talking about bread, but everybody who was listening thought he was talking about what? Lunch. <laughs> they thought he was talking about lunch. They thought, thought he was talking about physical bread, but he was actually teaching them a spiritual lesson. And he said, how is it that you don't understand that I wasn't talking to you about physical bread, but be on your guard. Whenever we see repetition, pay attention. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Be on your guard. Then they understood he was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in bread, but against the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So they thought he was talking about bread, but he was talking about wrong teaching and wrong application of that. The best way I can summarize it is say that the, the, the leaven of the Pharisees was legalism. That was legalism. So let's make sure we understand what this really means. These were people who were religious, very, very orthodox Uh, to the Jewish faith, but they had taken the Jewish laws and they had taken them to an extreme in their application. They were all about the externals and not so much about the internals. 
In fact, we, we, we know that, for example, uh, they would go around and they would pick on people and they would point out like pious police. They would be saying to people about, you know, you're doing this and the law says this and you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that. They had a whole long list of do's and don'ts that they were enforcing against uh, the people. The Pharisees would take principles, laws that were in the Old Testament, like, for example, in ceremonial cleansing, uh, before you partake of food, and they took it to an extreme, and they added all additional kinds of do's and don'ts and regulations. They said, if you don't do it exactly like this, then you're not clean. Pharisees love to heap burdens on people, Jesus said. They love to put a burden on other people. At the same time, they wouldn't live it right themselves. That's the important distinction. There are a number of points that I've just kind of summarized here on the screen regarding, uh, regarding these Pharisees. One is that they would always exalt tradition. Tradition was hugely important to them. Tradition more important than truth. We know the scripture says that Jesus made this statement about the Pharisees. It says because of their tradition, they're actually nullifying the power and the effect of the truth, God's word. Their traditions were doing that. They were very uh, focused on what the traditional view, their traditional religious view was. And as I said, they loved to police others with that. They loved to major on minors. They put a great amount of emphasis on something that was fairly insignificant. People would... Uh, they would major on minor parts while they themselves would violate major principles of the law with their own actions and behavior. Jesus uses this as a case in point in the way that they used to uh, use the dedication of one's goods to God as an excuse for, uh, for, to avoid having to take care of elderly parents. They would, they would find, they would do these manipulative tricks with the Old Testament law. What they were trying to do is make tradition more important than the truth of God's word. It's important to know that Jesus called Pharisees what? Hypocrites. Now, remember, we'll talk about Sadducees in a second. The Pharisees, unlike a lot of people get it mixed up, Pharisees didn't have a whole, they weren't really empowered by the temple with authority. They were not official leaders. They were almost self-appointed religious people. And so they would make sure that they were externally, uh, they were wearing all the right clothes and they would eat the right foods and they would make sure that everybody else was being inspected. And they would go around and teach one thing but do another. Jesus, the wonderful son of God, son of man that we see in scripture was incredibly generous, incredibly loving and we rarely see him, the, 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 the side of him that's like really indignant and angry, except, or, or, or I don't want to use the word mean, but I think you understand, stern, except in one occasion in the Gospels, and that's usually when he comes in contact with who? Pharisees. When he's dealing with the Pharisees, it's just like, boom. And he says right out to them, he says, he says, you are hypocrites. Now, that's a word that's thrown around liberally 
these days, and a lot of people don't understand what does the word hypocrisy or hypocrite really mean. The original word translated for hypocrite literally means an actor. An actor. Someone who's wearing a mask. So they're playing a part like an actor would or an actress. So they're wearing a mask. But all of us know what? It's just a mask. There's another side of it. There, that's, just, that's just an act. And there, there's another side of it. That's what a hypocrite really is. It's someone that, that says one thing, preaches to people about one thing, but they do something else. In Matthew 15, Jesus said it this way, hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy about you? When he quoted Isaiah that said, these people draw near to me with their mouths and they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So Jesus reminded them of that rebuking prophecy. He called them hypocrites in Luke 12, 1. And as I said, a hypocrite is someone who often will even deceive themselves while always judging others. Principal criticism of Jesus towards the Pharisees was that they taught one thing but did another. They also did their works, their religious duties. They did it with the motive that they wanted everybody to see what they were doing. They wanted everyone to observe and to notice and to give them credit for what they were doing. In other words, it was all about them. Don't y'all see a little problem with the heart issue here? A little bit of a problem with the motivation of these? So they were going through the motions, doing these things, but they were trying to do it so that everybody could see. So whenever they would fast, they would make sure that everybody knew they were fasting. Right? They they would proclaim it, advertise it. Uh, If they're doing anything sacrificial, when they're ready to give, they want to make sure everybody saw how much they were giving. What is that? It's an emphasis on the external. And it was all about getting praise and recognition for themselves. And they were really into titles. Oh, they would take any title. They would love for people to refer uh, to to them as a a rabbi. And uh, and that was a term of respect and honor. I have nothing wrong with terms of respect and honor. And and I think to some degree, sometimes we err on the other side of that. But if someone is demanding that you use a certain title... In other words, they're demanding you use a title. You can't refer to me unless you call me this. Now that becomes a little bit of a question. You see what I'm saying? Because it reveals what? Something in the heart. Okay? And, and the Pharisees were big on that. They, they loved to be called a rabbi, which was this title of respect. They were more interested in gaining the approval and honor of their fellow men than they were getting God's honor. Religion was their motive. Not glorifying God, just the practice of religion. They were interested in position, prominence, recognition, and that's what being a Pharisee was all about. They loved the spotlight. They loved special treatment, special attention. And Jesus gave them (laughs) very little grace, didn't he? He was very strict when it came to them. Now, I'm sorry to say But the leaven of the Pharisees is still active today. So I took all that time to make sure that you understand historically and biblically what the Pharisees were and did. 
and what the, the concepts and the principles were that were operating in their life. It was legalism. Legalism is where we take even things that are truth. You can take even a truth or a true principle that's biblical and you apply it in a legalistic way. And, and, and that what the Scripture will teach us is that legalism is sure to do one. It simply sucks the life out of things. You find someone who's a Christian that's been in a legalistic setting and usually their joy is gone. It's one thing you'll always notice. Their joy is gone. It's been sucked right out. Uh, and it, it, it's literally, the, the, the scripture says that the letter of the law does what? It kills. It robs us of life. So it, it's simply the fact that there is this approach to this legalistic, you know, it, it, parents, listen, if your whole approach to raising your kids is just a list of do's and don'ts, I promise you, as valid as the do's and don'ts may be, you're going to probably have problem raising your kids. Am I right? Uh, in churches, in groups, in Christian organizations, we need to make sure that we put an emphasis on the life of the Spirit and not just a list of do's and don'ts. That can really wreck someone's spiritual life. So remember what Jesus said. What did he say? Guard yourself. Guard yourself from the principle, this leaven of the Pharisees. Suggesting what? To me, it says, to even his own followers, he said, be careful. Be careful. It can have an effect and an influence on you. Be careful that you don't get sucked in by legalism. May I also just add to you today, we should also be careful about legalism and the, the influencing effect, the yeast effect that legalism can have in our lives today. Would you agree with that? Amen. Let's look at the second kind of evil influence Jesus referenced. The second one. Number two. Oh. Number two. Y'all have to forgive. Sometimes we throw uh, uh, codes up there. Uh, you can see it's, it's, it's appearing right in the middle of my notes. But <laughs> while it is actually supposed to be down the right-hand corner. But anyway, the point of the matter is they're trying to get someone's attention. All right? So... Uh, the second kind of leaven, Jesus, we read the scripture already, and Jesus said what? Beware of the leaven of what? The Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, a lot of people don't know the difference between the Sadducees and the Pharisees. So let me make it really simple. The Pharisees were simply people, maybe with no title, maybe with no position. Some of them did. There were Pharisees that, that were also rabbis, etc. But uh, they, they could simply be a, a extremely devoted religious person. But then there were Sadducees. Sadducees were, if you will, the, the religious elite of Judaism. They were the power brokers in, in Judaism. They were the ones with the authority to make decisions. They sat around in the council. They decided what was going to go on for the temple and all of, all of the adherents of Judaism, and they had great power. Um, the Sadducees had a whole other set of issues. The Pharisees had 600 lists of do's and don'ts. The Sadducees were more interested in their, uh, their belief system. And uh, we, they make it very clear in Scripture. For example, it makes it very clear in Acts chapter 23 and verse 8 when it says, For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection. 
The Sadducees say there was no resurrection, neither angel nor spirit, but the Pharisees confessed both. In other words, Pharisees didn't have any trouble believing in angels and spirits, that, that issue. When it came to the Sadducees, they had very strict teaching and beliefs. And their belief was that they refused to believe in any of the supernatural. So they obviously had a problem, not just with the resurrection of Jesus. Obviously, Pharisees and Sadducees didn't believe in that. But even the resurrection of the dead as a part of uh, eternal judgment, etc. They didn't believe in resurrection. They didn't believe in miracles. Sadducees refused to to believe in the supernatural. They did not acknowledge uh, what was going on in the spirit realm at all. They were all about what? What's just right here in front of us, and that's it. So the Sadducees, I think the best description that I can give for the leaven of the Sadducees is what? Unbelief. It is simply unbelief. Did you know how common the leaven of the Sadducees is today? Unbelief says God doesn't do those things anymore. Unbelief says that spiritual stuff isn't what it's all cracked to be. Unbelief keeps people from faith in Jesus, but it also keeps people from walking and experiencing the fullness of God and the fullness of the Spirit. It is the leaven of the Sadducees that keeps people from believing that God still heals today. That Jesus is still a miracle worker today. A Sadducee was like, hmm, no, doesn't agree with my theology. If you will, the Sadducees of Jesus' day were the theological liberals, if I could put it that way. They, they would easily uh, have their own use and interpretation of the word. They would say, well, that's, that's not, that doesn't fit our, our preference, and they would easily cut it out. You know what's amazing? How many Christians and organizations and churches and spiritual leaders that do the same thing today? They don't realize it, but they're perpetuating the leaven of the Sadducees. And they want to deny the power of God. They want to deny the role and the importance of the supernatural in operating. They're not willing to allow people to walk in the fullness and the power of the Holy Spirit. They simply put an emphasis on whatever theological posture they have. Many times it's very restrained, very controlled, and... uh, and it's marked by unbelief. Now listen, folks. Unbelief is a sin. Unbelief is when we resist what God teaches in the Word. Unbelief is when we refuse to exercise our faith for what God has for us. Unbelief will rob you from enjoying what God has for your life. God desires that we not only know Christ, but that we walk by the Spirit and we enjoy the abundant life that John 10.10 10 offers to us. Jesus desires that we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is God working today in our midst, in and through us. He is God. He isn't just a force. He is God. And He wants you to know Him on a personal level. And The leaven of the Sadducees or the leaven of unbelief robs us from that. We need to beware. Today, there are those who are even holding to things of a denial, uh, who would call themselves Christians, who would deny in the reality of hell, who would argue, some even argue against heaven, 
more, it's funny, more argue against hell than heaven. Isn't that that's amazing, though, isn't it? Who would think? Doesn't make sense, though, does it? So they really don't like the idea of hell, as scriptural as it may be. Uh, there's a real strong movement uh, speaking against the virgin birth today. There's a very, very strong trend among so-called Christian groups to teach that everybody is going to heaven. We call it universalism, which means it's not an issue of personal faith in Christ, but everybody's going to go to heaven because God is a God of love. And that twisted teaching is growing with great steam. Shocking how common that is. Uh, I'm tempted to mention some names uh, of well-known uh, teachers, uh, maybe another day I will do that. But um, the scripture tells us Paul predicting what was going to happen in the last days. And he said this, there are going to be those that will have a form of godliness, but who will deny the power. And what did he advise? What did Paul say to do with those? I know you said, man, how could he be so hard? He said, stay away from people who want to deny the power of God. Why do you think he said that? Because he wants us to be mean? No. It's the leaven. It's the yeasting effect that will cause our own faith to be diminished and pressed down and challenged. No, he said stay away because Jesus also said that. Beware! Beware of the leaven of the Sadducees, he said. Be on guard about it. And Paul used the principle. If it's going to be leaven, and some of you have trouble with the whole concept of yeast being bad because we enjoy our yeast bread, but it, it, just think of it as a cancer. Think of it as a malignancy. And there comes a point with the malignancy that you simply need to what? simply have to remove it from the body. If you don't remove the malignancy, we know what happens. What? It will spread. So maybe today a good idea is when we think of the principle of leaven and these evil influences, maybe put it in the context of something like a malignancy, and it may help us to understand the concept even more. Jesus said, beware of what? The principle of, the, of, of legalism, which is seen by the Pharisees. And he said, beware also the Sadducees. And... Um, uh, someone once said the Sadducees refused to believe in the supernatural, and that's why they were sad, you see. <laughs> Number three, the third evil influence. The third evil influence that Jesus warns us about. So the first two were found there, we read in, in Matthew. And here in Mark chapter 8, he mentions another one. Throws in another one. So this is Mark's writings, and he had... He picked up on something that Matthew didn't report. Maybe it was the same incident, the same situation. Maybe it was a different comment that Jesus made. But in Mark chapter 8 and verse 15, Jesus said, Be careful. Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees. Watch this. And of Herod. Oh, now he's throwing in another one. So we've got Pharisees, Sadducees, and now the leaven of Herod. Now, we could talk a lot about Herod and the Herodians 
and their style. But let me see if I can just keep it really, really simple for you. Herod was simply known for this. His lifestyle, why would Jesus use that? Why would he say, beware of the leaven of Herod? Because Herod was synonymous with wealth, material possessions, and power. Just put it in a package. That's what, that's what he was all about. It was all about power and possessions. It was all about materialism. And so I really believe that probably materialism and power are the, are the things that Jesus is really warning us about here that we need to be aware of. The leaven of Herod could be stated simply as an overemphasis on power, materialism, immorality, or worldly focus. Beware of the leaven of Herod. You know what? The Apostle Paul found it strong enough that it was important enough. He said the same thing actually to Timothy. In his writings to Timothy, he spoke to him very clearly about the love of money. Am I right? He didn't say that money was the evil influence, but he said it was what? It was our approach to money and possessions that was really wrong. And he warned us about it. Let me just remind you of a scripture. I thought I had it written on the screen, but I'll just read it to you. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 9 and 10, uh, taken uh, right there from the New Testament. Those who want, listen, those who want to get rich. How many, do you know anybody who's like running after riches? Those who want to get rich will fall into temptation. And a trap, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Verse 9 in 1 Timothy 6 has such truth when it. We could sit here for hours and talk about how relevant that is today. How many people do you know who have been plunged into ruin? And you trace it back and find out it was all started when they got involved in something or some method or some practice or some approach, which was all motivated by what? Just trying to to get their hands on more money. Is it wrong to desire more money? Not if your heart's right. Not if Jesus is first. He wants to bless us. I believe in the principle of prosperity. What I don't believe are the extremes where people are wanting to consume it upon their own desires. And he goes on to say this, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people who are eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And he tells uh, Pastor Timothy what to do in verse 17. Command those who are rich, who are already rich. So he speaks to those who want to be rich. And then later he talks to people who already ha have substance. And he says, command those who are rich in this present world. Just don't be arrogant. And don't put your hope in your money. Good, good, good wisdom, isn't it? Don't put your hope in your money, which is so uncertain. Tell me if that's not true, right? Which is so uncertain, but tell them to put their hope in God. In other words, our source, who richly, I love how the Holy Spirit had Paul use that word, richly. He's warning those about the love of money and, and, and those who are just after riches. And then he talks about God who so richly provides us with everything that we need in this life. And he adds, for our enjoyment. God is not a killjoy. 
He's not out to ruin your joy. He's out to fulfill it. He's out to make your joy balanced, righteous, right. And he wants to bless you with joy and an abundance of life. And he wants you to be blessed even financially. But he's warning us here about the leaven of materialism. There's a difference between having money and having materialism. Materialism is when, it, when stuff has you. Not when you have stuff or you have money. I, I guarantee you some of us have too much stuff. Someone say amen. Come on. But it's not that. It's when stuff has us. So when stuff gets close to our heart and begins to control our decisions and our motives and our priorities, that's when we're headed for trouble. Would you stand to your feet? Three evil influences. All of them are considered leavening. Yeast-like. I want to challenge you to do something with me as we prepare to close. Like I said, ladies understand um, this wasn't intended as a Mother's Day message. It's still truth. Straight from the words of Jesus. Be on guard. May I ask us to be transparent with God for a moment as we close this first service? Enough to acknowledge that the Holy Spirit is pointing to us and saying, to you maybe, has some yeast gotten into your life? Is there some wrong influence that has crept into your thinking, to your life? Maybe it's legalism. Maybe you've decided that you're to police your husband's life, your wife's life. All the other Christians you know, you're in charge of making sure that the Holy Spirit's job is done. Let me tell you, he's big enough to take care of his own business. Some of you fall into that? It's Pharisaic. Maybe some of us are hiding the issues that are really going on deep inside. We're acting very righteous outwardly, but inside, not so much. Maybe tonight, today, this morning, you need to repent and confess before the Lord because you've yielded to the leaven of the Sadducees, which is to deny God's freedom operate in the supernatural in your life to stir up the gifts of the spirit to release you into new things in his spirit maybe today there's some Herod like materialism that has crept into your mind your life your practices God calls us to simply repent to confess our sins before him so would you join me as I pray and give you a moment just to make your own statement of confession to the Lord. I just, I want us to deal with this while it's fresh. So you make your own confession as I pray. Heavenly Father, we are uh, acknowledging today that there are evil influences that Jesus warns us about, tells us to be on guard for, that even affect people today and can affect us. Lord, we don't want to be perpetrators of that. We don't want, we don't want to be those who carry those yeast around, those malignancies around. We don't want them spreading in our life. We don't want them in this church. We don't want to spread them to others. So, Lord, Holy Spirit, we give you permission right now just to convince us in our own mind, in our own spirit right now, 
we need to confess anything. I'm just going to be still while you do that. Lord, thank you that as we confess our sins, you're faithful to forgive us. And we thank you, Lord, that we can walk in the right heart, the right attitude, and be the influencers you called us to be. In Jesus' name. And I ask that our prayer teams would come forward right now. Quickly, please. We've gone a few moments over here. Our prayer teams are here because if you have a prayer need, you need someone to agree with you in prayer. Maybe you don't have the right kind of relationship with Jesus. You can either fill out a Connect card that's sitting in the chair seat in front of you. Fill it out and turn it into the basket that's there at our welcome desk. We'll follow up with you. Or better than that would be simply to come forward and allow someone to pray and agree with you. Whatever that need may be, these prayer teams are trained and prepared and here for you. Feel free to come. Steve is going to speak a very short but powerful blessing over you, your household, your life this week. So would you just open up your hearts to receive it, and after his blessing, you'll be dismissed.